Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Mary Harris, WNYC's health editor. For six months, we focused on cancer and how many of us are touched by it. One in two men, one in three women will get this diagnosis. This piece aired on The Takeaway. One of you who responded to our call for a definition of beauty in six words sent this poignant message. This is Larissa Wilhelmy in Anchorage, Alaska. Surviving cancer with dignity and grace. Not bad. That survival is dependent on many things. And the odds of survival are not so pretty for African-American men when it comes to prostate cancer. Black men are more than twice as likely as white men to die from prostate cancer. In partnership with WNYC's Living Cancer Series, we look now at how the science of cancer research can fail real people with cancer. Elsie McCord followed all the rules for being vigilant about prostate cancer after pushing to have his PSA, prostate-specific antigen level, tested at age 50 and learning he had prostate cancer. Twelve years later, Elsie is now living cancer-free as a professor emeritus of biology at the New College of Florida. But how Elsie managed to beat the odds and what the lower survival rate for African-American men means is the subject of our conversation with Elsie and Dr. Dorado Brooks, Director of Prostate and Colorectal Cancers for the American Cancer Society. Well, one of the challenges is we don't really understand the biologic underpinnings of the higher rates that we see in, in black men. And this is not just African-American men, but men of, of uh, West African origin around the globe have higher rates of prostate cancer and are more likely to die of the cancer. Uh, they also are more likely to be diagnosed at earlier ages, and there's some evidence that those uh, earlier cancers may be of the more aggressive form. So there are some things that we don't understand, but we do know that many black men don't get the same quality of treatment, and that can be because of insurance issues, lack of access. Uh, there also is just there are a lot of men are simply fearful and don't pursue a diagnosis. Uh, many men, unfortunately, in the situation where they have an elevated PSA level, will simply refuse to follow up, not recognizing that finding the cancer and treating it early can save their lives. Elsie McCord, can you uh, describe your diagnosis and uh, how you felt about the vulnerability to prostate cancer as you began to age out of your 40s? Oh, uh, yes. I um, became 50 in uh, ni 1999, and I needed a baseline PSA because being a, a scientist, I knew that blacks had a higher propensity of this disease than others. And so I went to my GP and asked for a PSA following the digital rectal exam, and he said that I was too young and that I shouldn't take the exam. So I said, uh, I really need the baseline. And he said, okay, it'll cost you $50. So I paid the $50 and the results was 3.4 nanograms per deciliter. But since he said my prostate was small and pliable, I didn't worry about it. I went back to my doctor three years later and I asked the same question. And he said, well, if I'm a betting man, I'd bet you were fine. And I said, I'm not a betting man. Please give me the test. The results was 6.4 nanograms per deciliter. And now I became concerned because the PSA was on a rise. And what was your treatment, and uh, how are you doing right now? I'm doing fine. It's been uh, 12 years uh, since I've been treated. Uh, what happened was I uh, read review articles on the survival rates of different modalities, like operations and so forth. And at that time, operation was the gold standard. And I uh, found myself over time uh, in information overload. But the final 
choice or modality was brachytherapy. What's your impression of Elsie McCord's story, Dr. Brooks? Well, first, I would applaud Mr. McCord uh, because he's done exactly what it is that we recommend that men do when they're facing a prostate cancer diagnosis, and that is do the research. Uh, There are are many men for whom surgery actually is a very reasonable and, and maybe the best approach, but all too often men who are told they have cancer have the immediate response, get it out, just take care of it, and they don't take the time to recognize that there are other treatment options. So, Elsie, how does that don't ask, I don't want to know kind of mentality play out in your community of friends? Uh, The medical establishment in the black community has had a tumultuous relationship for quite a long time. And there's a distrust there. I have to agree with that. But then there's another factor in the men that I've talked to. And they ask me what is involved in screening. And I tell them the digital rectal exam. And some of them says no one is going to approach that part of their body. And it appears that there's some form of homophobia there. But it doesn't make any sense to me because some of these same guys risk their lives of drinking and driving and texting and driving. And a lot of these things can actually end your life a lot quicker than the digital rectal exam. Have you ever convinced anyone to get the exam and heard those kinds of uh, excuses, those kinds of fears? Yes, we have uh, screenings often, and I uh, generally give a talk at the event, and a lot of people come up and talk to me in private because they somehow have this innate fear that some of their friends have had a negative reaction or they didn't get cured, and so therefore, by the time the story gets to the person who actually needs it, It is certainly very, very negative. What is the medical onset issue, uh, Dr. Brooks? How mysterious is that? You alluded to it before, that uh, black men have an incidence of virulent prostate cancer that we don't understand. Is there research being done on that? There's a great deal of research going on. Uh, But we do know that most of that difference in survival is related to access to care and the right kind of care. With regard to the screening test that we have available, the digital rectal exam has already been discussed, and the PSA, the prostate-specific antigen blood test that Mr. McCord talked about, it's been shown that the PSA plus the digital rectal exam provides a little more information. But quite frankly, even with that combination, these are not highly reliable tests. So one thing that we clearly need are better screening tests. Dr. Dorado Brooks is Director of Prostate and Colorectal Cancers for the American Cancer Society. Dr. Brooks, thanks so much. Thank you for having me, John. And uh, Elsie McCord, what do you think is the most important thing that you did in the beginning when you turned 50 that uh, is responsible for your survival today for these uh, 12 years? I believe that me taking charge of my, my own health was a limiting factor because if I had listened to the doctor, I probably would not have been screened. Elsie McCord is a professor emeritus of biology at the New College of Florida. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer 12 years ago. Elsie, thanks so much. Thank you. And to hear more of our work on the relationship between race, survival, and what it means to live with cancer, you can listen to our special podcast on the Takeaway's six-month-long audio storytelling series, Under Her Skin, Living with Breast Cancer tells the story of three African-American women battling breast cancer with the odds against them. You can find it at thetakeaway.org and click on the Weekender tab at the top of the page. 
Support for Living Cancer is provided by the Susan and Peter Solomon Family Foundation. Additional funding for WNYC's medical science reporting is provided by the Iris and Junming Lee Foundation.